Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 81. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis, and this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets, and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update, we have now identified a potential publisher and have submitted a draft of the final manuscript to them for their consideration. They have indicated they will require about 14 days to peruse the manuscript and confirm if it meets their publishing standards. So fingers crossed as we await their final decision. And now to this week's podcast where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 45th week of 2023, that is from Monday the 6th to Friday the 10th of November. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where on Thursday, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that the central bank was encouraged by the slowing pace of inflation, but was unsure whether they had done enough to keep the momentum going that would bring inflation down to its 2% target level. The chairman said that the central bank was committed to achieving a monetary policy stance that was sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2% over a period of time, but indicated that they were not confident that they had achieved such a stance. The chairman was speaking the week after the Federal Reserve voted to hold its benchmark interest rates at the same level for the second consecutive policy meeting. And in other news, on Friday, Moody Investor Services lowered its ratings outlook for the United States from stable to negative, and this was on the back of higher interest rates, without effective fiscal policy measures to reduce government spending or increase revenue collections. Moody's said that it expects the United States' fiscal deficits will remain very large, mainly due to the continued political polarization within the U.S. Congress. 
And moving over to the U.S. stock market, stocks rebounded on Friday, recovering the ground lost in the previous session as the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond stabilized within a narrow range. The Dow Jones Industrial Average advanced by 391 points to close at 34,283 whilst the S&P 500 increased by 1.5% to finish the session at 4,415, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite rose by about 2% for its best day since May and eventually settled at 13,798. The rebound on Friday was sufficient to lift all the three major indices, for a second consecutive week of gains. And for the week, the Dow rose by about 0.7%, whilst the S&P 500 advanced by 1.3%, and last but definitely not least, the Nasdaq outperformed the other indices as it increased by about 2.4%. Please note that the stock market is a leading indicator and points to the overall health and performance of a country's economy. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond was flat on Friday as investors contemplated the outlook for inflation and monetary policy following comments from the Federal Reserve Chairman. On Thursday, the Fed chairman said that the central bank was not confident that it had done enough to bring inflation down to its 2% target level. The chairman also noted that despite the progress being made, inflation remains too high and as such there was still a long way to go. Consequently, the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond was hovering around a flat line of 4.63%, whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note ticked up by 3.6 basis points to settle at 5.06%. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall, and vice versa. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil declined for a third consecutive week as the threat of supply disruptions continues to decrease as the ongoing conflict between Israel and Palestine remains contained within the Gaza Strip despite concerns of escalation. In response to these developments, the price of the international benchmark, Brent crude, was down by 4.9% for the week and closed the session at $80.74 a barrel. Meanwhile, the price of the U.S. benchmark, that is West Texas Intermediate crude, this declined by 5.1% for the week to settle at $76.40 per barrel. Also, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, fell to $81.59 per barrel from $87.24 the previous week. Please note that for importing countries, the price of crude oil is viewed as a major contributor to inflation as higher oil prices 
tend to lead to higher inflation. In the precious metals market, the price of gold fell more than 1% on Friday and was headed for its second straight week of declines. The decline in gold was mainly attributed to the hawkish comments from the Federal Reserve Chairman, suggesting that the central bank had not done enough on inflation and therefore raised the probability for further rate hikes going forward. Meanwhile, escalating tensions in the Middle East had raised the safe haven demand for gold and driven its price slightly above the key psychological level of $2,000 per ounce. However, over the past two weeks, bullion has dropped by about $70 and was down by 2.8% for the past week to close the session priced at $1,936 per ounce. For your information, gold has an inverse relationship with the U.S. dollar and was previously viewed as a hedge against inflation as well as a store of value during times of uncertainty. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market where the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the Central Bank of Kenya website, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 151.53 compared to 150.86 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 157 shillings on the lower side to above 161 shillings on the higher side. A random survey of commercial banks revealed that the lowest quote was by Stanbic Bank at 157 shillings flat, whilst the highest rate was by Bank of Africa, at 160.60. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 185.80 and the euro was valued at 161.67. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 24.81 Ugandan shillings and 16.58 Tanzanian shillings, and to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.11. The current trend suggests that the Ken shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 65% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 65 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased marginally by $39 million to $6.85 billion, which is equivalent to 3.68 months of import cover. However, this level is still in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, 
which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market was thin during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement, this increased to 18.6 billion shillings from 17.8 billion shillings the previous week. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate declined to 11.34% compared to 12.18% the previous week. And during the past week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market increased marginally to 13.9 billion shillings from 13.5 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 9th of November, and the central bank received bids totaling 61.3 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 255%. The central bank ended up accepting almost the entire amount at 61.1 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 37 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate jumped by 10 basis points to 15.28%, whilst the 182-day rate rose by 13 basis points to 15.40%, and the 364-day rate increased by 17 basis points to settle at 15.61%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve where they can easily reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. In the primary bond market, the central bank had offered for sale an amortized infrastructure bond with a duration of 6.5 years. The auction for this bond was held on Wednesday, the 8th of November, and the central bank received bids totaling about 89 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 50 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 177%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 67 billion shillings, at a weighted average rate of 17.93%. For your information, infrastructure bonds continue to generate a lot of demand from investors, mainly due to the fact that the interest earned on them is exempt from withholding tax.
At the Nairobi Securities Exchange, during the past week, the equities market continued on its downward trajectory, with the NSC 10 declining the most by 4.5%, whilst the NASI, the NSC 20, and the NSC 25 declined by 4.1%, 1.3%, and 3.9%, respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 32.7% for the NASI, 13.8% for the NSC 20, and 26.5% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as KCB Group, Safaricom, and NCBA Bank, which declined by 13.3%, 6.8%, and 4.7%, respectively. And in related news, during the past week, Safaricom announced its results for the first half of the current financial year, in which it recorded a net profit of 27.1 billion shillings, which was a 10% decline from the previous year. The decline was mainly attributed to a 22% increase in operating expenses as well as a 68% rise in depreciation and amortization costs. However, on a positive note, service revenues increased by about 10% to 159 billion shillings. And based on those results, there was no interim dividend that was recommended. However, after the results announcement on Thursday, Safaricom's share price jumped by 6.8% to 13 shillings and 30 cents per share, rising from a 52-week low of 11 shillings and 50 cents that was recorded earlier on Monday. Up next is our topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at the repayment of the $2 billion eurobond, which matures in June 2024. The Treasury has confirmed that the country is facing a serious cash flow crisis due to maturing debt obligations. The Cabinet Secretary was addressing the Finance and National Planning Committee when he said that maturing debts have been exacerbated by a depreciating shilling as well as high interest rates that have pushed the country into a difficult financial position. The depreciation of the shilling, in tandem with a hike in U.S. dollar interest rates, have caused the national debt to increase by about 145 billion shillings in the first quarter of the current financial year. And according to the cabinet secretary, the elephant in the room, so to speak, was the bullet repayment of $2 billion for the eurobond which matures in June 2024. And to make matters worse, the rise in global inflation and the consequent hiking of interest rates by the world's major central banks eventually led to the tightening of global financial markets, which essentially locked out emerging market countries like Kenya. However, following the recently concluded annual meetings of the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund that were held in Marrakech, Morocco, the Treasury Secretary said that both organizations had indicated their willingness to assist the country to finance its debt obligations. 
And in order to further mitigate the risk of default, the government was also considering a partial buyback of the eurobond in order to reduce the liquidity challenge posed by a bullet repayment of $2 billion on maturity. This was confirmed by the president in his State of the Nation address on Thursday when he revealed that the country would effect a partial buyback amounting to $300 million in the coming month of December. The partial buyback of the eurobond at this particular point in time is favorable for Kenya because yields have risen sharply, which means that the country will repurchase the bonds at a steep discount given the inverse relationship between bond yields and prices. Over the past few weeks, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds has declined significantly, which is a positive signal from foreign investors on the country's ability to refinance its debt. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support and I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, the greatest service that you can render the world is your own self-realization. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.